This is a Triple J podcast. We can end the climate wars. Rugged up up top, tiny little booty shorts. Oh, I sold a kidney to buy that jacket. I was riding a lot of fences. Hello, what's going on? Everyone was waiting there for me to come onto the microphone. G'day, welcome to the Shake Up. It's Dave Marchese. Do we remember this time last week? Maybe not. If you weren't listening, you won't remember it. It was a ride. If you missed it, it basically took me five minutes to start the show because my microphone was broken. What the hell? But it's fixed now. We're feeling a lot more together this week. It has been a very, very big week. Like the text line has just been melting down with the stuff we've been covering on Hack. The budget, airlines, all sorts of stuff. Let's have a little listen to some of the things we've got coming up. Hack. I think a lot of young people are going to be pretty angry that it seems like they were left out of the cost of living relief packages. The internet is just getting mad at Mr. Beast over something that he's doing that's extremely generous. There's rock moments, there's pullbacks, there's breakdowns, there's all kinds of things. It's all the things that a Eurovision checklist has. On Triple Jack. Yeah, there's a fair bit going on. Obviously, all the budget talks been kicking off this week, as it does every year. You're probably thinking, I'm done with the budget talk. Stop. I'm listening to the shake-up not to be talking about the budget. But no, we've got to get into it because there's a few other things that have happened later this week. We saw Peter Dutton come out with his plan. Maybe you like that one better. Also, if you're into Eurovision, you're loving that Australia's through to the grand final. But you know what? It took Voyager... A few goes. Like, they've been trying since 2015 to get to Eurovision. When have you repeated something so many times, thinking it's never going to happen, but finally it paid off? You kept hounding someone for a job, maybe a friendship. You're like, just be friends with me. And it paid off. Let me know. Hit the text line 0439 757 this is the story of my friendship with the following guests, the shake-up crew for this week. First, Mamma Mia journalist, the host of True Crime Conversations podcast, M Gillespie. Thank goodness. I, actually, it is true. I've been repeatedly trying to get you on the shake-up. You're like, oh, I'm so busy. No, that's a lie. I said no only once and I was paralysed with fear that you would never have me back. Dave Marchese doesn't get rejected. Oh, it's true. No, no, no. I knew, I knew that we'd get you one day. And Marty Smiley, one of the all-time favourites, another journalist. We got to, we've, I've been having people on in sets of two, like two actors, oh, um, nice. you know, two comedians, that's two us, journalists. That's two comedians. Two of your best friends. Two writers. <laughs> I um, thought you were going to say rivals. <laughs> you could be. Um, obviously, uh, host of the Housewarming podcast, Marty Smiley. What's going on? Well, in a complete reverse situation, I keep trying to get on the show. And <laughs> don't. I keep getting rejected. So I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. No, nah, it's not true. It's not true. Have you got a big weekend coming up? Always, mate. Yeah. Always. Yeah, oh, just yeah. getting, just started. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for the beer. We're, yeah, we're off to a good yeah, start. It's a nice start. It's good to kick it off with a bit of a bev, um, some nice energy, bit of conversation. And we've got a lot to talk about. Hack. We will continue to invest in young Australians. We will continue to listen to young Australians. We've been given crumbs yet again. On Triple Jack. Yeah, we've heard a lot about the budget this week. And I've got to say, we've also heard a lot of mixed responses because you've been telling us on socials, on the text line, all kinds of opinions. Some people saying the government did its best. I think they really tried to hit all the key areas. Then there were heaps of others saying, nah, when it comes to young Australians, this ain't it. Hack. I think it's fair to say that all of us on this side know that young people are doing it tough. 
The truth is we've got the balance right. We understand that people are under pressure. And if we've got people who can't even afford breakfast on Newstart, get a bus ticket to get to their job interview, then we've got to move things around a little bit here. Five and a half million renters get absolutely nothing from this budget. There is great benefit in giving people an incentive to work a little bit more, to remove them from that, you know, that welfare cycle. It's frustrating being a middle income owner who's not wealthy enough to go buy a house, but I'm not poor enough that I get rental assistance. The government has done really very little for me. I'm not surprised, but I had hoped for more. I do reject your assumption that there isn't anything in this budget for young people. Because we know that when young people thrive, so does Australia. On Triple Jack. Oh yes, we've had Peter Dutton's budget reply. In the second half of this week, he's promising a few things that might hit with young Australians. Reinstating Medicare funding for 20 psychology sessions. Mental health support there, banning sports betting ads during broadcasts. Letting welfare recipients earn more before payments are reduced. I don't know, who had more for young people, the government or the opposition? What would you have put in the budget? I want to know, because you've heard the politicians, they've had their say this week. So is everything that's been announced making you feel worse or better about the year ahead? Message in 0439 757 You can call in as well, 1300-0555-36. Let's get into it with the Shake Up crew. We've got Mamma Mia journalist Em Gillespie and presenter broadcaster Marty Smiley. Em, thoughts on the budget? Look, this was always going to be a really divisive one. We're in a cost of living crisis. I mean, drink every time we say it, but it's the truth. And now more than ever, I think, is a time when people are looking to something like the budget and asking, well, what's in it for me? When everyone is doing it tough, they all want something for them. But the focus being on welfare recipients and the Australians doing it the most tough, I think that as a nation, if we want to look at our progress or the kind of country we want to live in, if we're not prioritising welfare recipients, then, you know, what are we doing? So what do you think about, because Anthony Albanese and Peter Dutton have had two different plans here, like Anthony Albanese is saying, we're going to raise Job Seeker by $40 a fortnight. Peter Dutton's saying, no, actually, it's better to let people earn a hundred $50 more a week before their payments are affected. Do you have any opinions on what would be better? Oh, I don't have opinions on what would be better, but I think it's interesting that the opposition leader hit back at sort of seeming to try and make a bigger divide between the lowest income earners, the most vulnerable Australians and the sort of lower to middle income earners. And that divide isn't necessarily helpful unless you have tangible solutions to offer up. And I don't know if Peter Dutton really offered them up. I think he took a few swings at the government's budget without really kind of showing us a better hand. Marty, what did you think of the budget? Were you pouring over those budget papers? I mean, you're a journalist, so is it something that like, and I'm actually being serious here, that you kind of pay a lot of attention to each year? This year in particular, was it something that you were like, oh, I, I do want to know if there's more in it for me or my mates? Yes, definitely because of, you know, people are, are in a living like crisis in terms of cost of living. But yes, but I was not that interested in it when I wasn't a journalist, I've got to say. Like, mm. before you actually, this was my job, like, I would see the top-line stuff. and You'd see winners or losers, and you normally, have a quick scan. <laughs> especially being a young person, you kind of go, well, most of the time there is nothing in it for a young person. So I think until you become a major voting group, 
the the governments do not care that you're under thirty five. Like, and I think that there, we are in that situation again. Um, there wasn't that much in the budget for young people. I mean, forty dollar increase and. Um, yeah, for youth allowance, it's not very much, especially in when it's when you're in a inflationary um, period. Yeah, and that's that's what we were. What hearing. if they didn't do anything to hex? Do we see a rent freeze? You know, I think when you're looking at a situation when they have no new ideas for people who are renting right now, how can we be at this point in time with no new ideas about what they're going to do? Really, about a housing crisis or with rent? So the rental relief. For welfare recipients, I know there has been a lot of criticism there. I think it's 30 or $31 a fortnight relief for renters on welfare. And when you look at inflation on its own against what rents are going up by, which is soaring far and wide above inflation, people are feeling grateful if their rents are only going up 10 to 20%. I think 15 bucks a week for people who are already struggling is I can understand the outrage around that, I guess. Yeah, There's we, no limits. Where are the limits that are being placed on landlords? Say if you've paid off your home, how can you in this country be allowed to the, raise the rent of someone who is living insecurely? It's ridiculous. We did speak to someone who is on some welfare payments and said with all of the payments announced, like increases that have been announced this week in the budget, it'll actually just take me back to where I was three months ago. Yeah. Like, that's pretty crazy to think about. We're at a better situation during the pandemic. Yeah. And I mean, we've got, we're hearing from so many other people as well who are saying they're, you know, too poor to own a house, but they're too rich to get any assistance, rent assistance or whatever. And boy, you're living in a, in a, in a city where the first-home buyer's grant doesn't even apply to you because it's under $500,000. Or so even where first-home buyers now who thought they were doing the right thing worked really hard to save the deposit and now being smashed by the mortgage repayments because of inflation rates and they are wishing that they never bought a house and that they'd be renting. This budget should have had new ideas to address those things. I definitely think it's a good idea to address some of the people who are in, in the worst situations. Mm. I think that is welcomed. Uh, but we need much more bold and bright ideas around what to do about that. Let's go to someone who's called up. Francesca's on a line. G'day, Francesca. What's your situation? Oh, hi, Dave. Um, so I'm living with um, my partner at the moment. So we've both saved quite hard. Um, and we're not kind of in that boat where we're, where we're struggling to... Um, sorry we're not kind of in that boat where we're to where we need kind of like assistance, but we've been putting off stuff like going to the doctor, going to the dentist yep. because, you know, there's no bulk billing now for us. Um, and yeah, we're just finding it things that we'd yeah, used to be able to do and not um, able to do now. And totally. this budget has done very little to kind of give us, yeah, give us that relief. All I see is the grocery budget going up and not much being done about it. Francesca, I was about to hit on this because your experience is the experience of so many people. Thank you very much for calling up and, and sharing that with us. People saying to us, we are living paycheck to paycheck. These are young Australians. Where is the targeted support for young Australians? Like, why isn't it all people under 30 like have access to this or under the age of 25 have access to this? Do you think, Em, that politicians really just don't understand how serious it is for 
young Australians at the moment? Because when I put to uh, the the minister who we had on earlier this week that, you know, people were freaking out about indexation and some people now have more debt than they did when they finished studying, like because of indexation, she was like, oh yeah, but you don't have to pay off hex until, you know, later on in your, in your life until you're earning a certain amount. Do you think politicians just don't get it? I think the scale of the cost of living crisis is so enormous and stretches so far and wide and it impacts families, it impacts people in, in retirement, ageing Australians, young Australians, working Australians, single parents. It's so prevalent in the lives of every single Australian, I think that they just don't know where to start or how to begin to chip away at pleasing young people. I mean, the hexing is a great example. Most people I've spoken to had no idea about indexation and the fact that their their hex debt is going to increase on the 1st of June. Let's, let's go to another caller now. We've got Jack on the line from Hobart. Hey, Jack, what's going on with you? You've bought a house, right? Yeah, so bought a house, uh, started last year, about this time last year. Um, took a long while to get there, saving the deposit and all that. Had to pay, I'm in Hobart, so I was about five, oh, sorry, $630,000 for a house. Um, so I didn't get any first home buyers help at all. Then had to pay um, stamp duty, which is another 30000 or so, and then lend to mortgage insurance as well, which yeah. is another thirty grand. It's a lot of money. So when you look at the bu- when you look at the budget, and you're probably struggling with repayments now, I would imagine. Um, yeah. What do you think? Tried and just been smashed by every interest rate since. Um, banks are making big profits. Don't give. They don't care at all about our repayments. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel like something should be done for first home buyers with yeah with the LMI maybe and the stamp duty. Yeah. Um, you know, some help there could get people in houses, which could help get people out of off the streets. You, you know, more houses built, more people buying houses. Yeah, no, Jack. Um, a lot of people would agree with you, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Marty, I mean, the government's saying, well, look, we have to be really careful here. We can't be just giving assistance to everyone. There's always going to be someone that misses out. We've got to be careful with inflation because that, you know, if that gets out of control, even worse than what it is, if we feed that, fuel that, that's going to make the situation a whole lot worse. Do you understand that it's like it must be a really tight position to be in? I do, yeah. <laughs> that's, um... Do you want to be the treasurer? <laughs> <laughs> I do understand that. And I think that's where you kind of have to look ahead. You know, when you're thinking personally about how you can benefit or how your own cohort um, could be helped or assisted during this time, it is a different thing to considering that than considering from a political point of view, you know, what kind of games are going on and why they're making the decisions that they're making. And what, you know, often when you think it from that perspective, you're thinking, well, do you want to have a Labor government for three terms like you just had for Liberal? Um, and knowing what their politics are meant to be and what they represent as a party. Um, that's a completely different sort of thing to consider, I think. Let's go to someone who is receiving like Commonwealth support payments. Sarah's on the line from Hampton Park in Victoria. Hey, Sarah, how are you doing like in this cost of living crisis? I'm doing terribly. <laughs> I'm trying to get on disability and we all know that's, that's a heartache in itself. Um, but I only get $700 a fortnight from my new start, which I'm on an exemption from, and my rent alone is 400 a fortnight. Oh. Um, and I'm on a payment plan for my bills, and that's still 200 a fortnight. So after like after paying everything, I'm left with $100 for two weeks. Mm. Yeah, it's that's not a lot of That's wild. And so thoughts on the budget? 
it's not enough. It's just not. We need some more wild, radical ideas as to how we can help people because I'm just expecting my landlord at any time Mm. to raise the rent, you know what I mean? Because they've just done a little bit of work on an already terrible house. Um, and so we're just waiting for the day and, you know, we're already paying 400 a fortnight. It's, 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 well, four, that's 400 a fortnight for me. So that's 800 a fortnight for the two of us. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, we need help. He, my, um, my partner, my partner, he's working full time overnight and yeah, he's still, we're just scraping by. We're always having to borrow money off people. It's just awful. Okay. Well, Sarah, look, uh, many people hitting the phone lines right now with, same experiences as you, very similar, so you're not alone. We've actually got Amber on the line from Sydney. Amber, where are you living at the moment? Um, I'm partially living um, with my mum, uh, but it's not, it's not uh, really a, a great situation. Right. Um, yeah, my mum and her husband. Um, I actually bought a, a van because I couldn't afford a house and I was living like partway between my mum and my dad. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, look, Amber, it's it's rough and this is what we're hearing from people. They can't afford their rent. Like it's heartbreaking to hear that you're spending some of your time living in a van. Um, someone says renters are desperate right now. We're paying so much for the right to live in a mould-infested place. Mm. Meanwhile, don't most federal polys own more than one property? Yes. No more... Housing scalpers, no, that's it. They're completely weak on doing anything about negative gearing. They're too just soft to touch it because of what has happened in previous elections. We've made it such a sticking point that now we can't even get to the point of debating it as a nation. Yeah, we've got a lot of messages coming through. Someone says, as a single childless female, I've been left out of the budget for decades. At least this time they're tripling access to bulk billing, possibly the first thing I've ever had. Someone else says, we have a trillion dollars of debt potentially facing a recession. Why has everyone got their hand out asking, what about me? It's not Christmas. Why can't we just be happy the most vulnerable among us have received some support during a cost of living crisis? That was from Mike. Look, there's so many opinions on this. We've been hearing them all week. We'll continue to hear them over the next few weeks. Let's move on to something a bit lighter. Hack. There are very few creators, if any at all, that are using their money in such a generous and charitable way, such as Mr. Beast. On Triple J. Yeah, maybe we should be asking this guy for a bit of help. Someone who has kind of done a big thing for his colleagues, for his um, for his employees, sorry. He's actually bought an entire neighbourhood for them to live in. What do you think about this? Do you love your workmates? I mean, it's a bit of a punish when you're forced to head out to a few work drinks with them sometimes. Maybe you're heading to some right now. Imagine how much worse it could be if you were all forced to live on the same street. Hack. Mr. Beast bought an entire neighborhood for his employees to live in. Mr. Beast is the head of a cult. That's literally what some are saying. Others saying that it's at least culty. He buys all of his employees somewhere to live. Oh, this guy's just starting a company town. You essentially become a slave to the job where your house is dependent on the job. Your entire livelihood is dependent around the job. Since the housing market is so crazy right now, I'm sure that Mr. Beast's employees are more than thankful that he bought the houses for them, allowing for stress-free accommodation on his budget while theoretically boosting productivity and reducing commute. Only I could get cancelled for giving people a place to live with no strings attached. On Triple J. Yeah, Mr. Beast, YouTube's highest earning creator. 
He's worth something like 80 million bucks, a lot of money. Still lives in North Carolina in the US, has been buying up his entire neighbourhood, houses for him, his family, his employees. What do you think of this? Like if it was rent free, we were just talking about the cost of living crisis, I'm sure a lot of people would jump at that opportunity. When have you been forced to live with a colleague though? Has there been a situation where you've been forced into an awkward circumstance or who is the most annoying person you've had to live near? Like maybe it's an ex or a friend that you've had a massive bust up with. All of a sudden they're around the corner bumping into them at the coffee shop. Morning. Hey. Let me know. How bad is it? 0439757555. Let's ask the Shake Up crew. Journalist M Gillespie, Marty Smiley as well. Marty, what do you think about Mr B Smooth? Is he a legend or a cult leader? This is a funny (laughs) question for me because I do live with my podcast host (laughs) and colleague, comedian Nat Amina. So I I do actually... And job too. Yeah, I do actually understand that. And so how is it? Would Um, you recommend? It does get pretty (laughs) ridiculous. Um, You don't know when work stops and and starts. And if Nat's listening, 0439757555. Yeah. Um, No, it can get, yeah, it can get toxic because you can't, because you're sort of like... You need to have separation between work and play and home and leisure and all those sort of different things. So I could see why it would be a real issue for his company. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have like rules in place? We do now. Like when we first started, like we started the Share House podcast where two housemates talk about Share House life and we did it during the pandemic. So it was like, well, we're locked in together anyway. But then after the pandemic ended, we're like, we could go outside. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, it's a bit like, why are we still here? Um, no, but we do have like kind of parameters in place now where there's everything select times where we do work together and we know when it's going to be and we choose different parts of the house to do it in so it doesn't feel like, you know, your, your whole life is work. Yeah, but nice. it would be hard to do that if you live next door and you, you, your boss is looking over the fence being like, why aren't you at this meeting? <laughs> it be so hard. Got some messages coming through. Someone says... This is what happened with the original Cadbury factory. The owner had a neighbourhood for all the employees and families. Someone else says... And it was made of chocolate. <laughs> yeah. is, that, is that the plot to Willy Wonka? Yeah, and chocolate sounds and chocolate familiar, factory. right? Sounds sick, that one. Someone else says Island Resort and other holiday resort workers have now entered the chat. That was from Kane in Melbourne. Yeah, you guys are really in the same situation. It must be hectic. Another person, mining camps are communities yeah. of workers living together. That's true. Yeah. A lot of people in remote locations. Locations and another person says, My supervisor is about to move into my house, and I'm actually so excited about it. (laughs) I love to see what what people get mad at Mr. Beast for. Like in a world of Logan and Jake Pauls, (laughs) this guy, yeah, he's filming people while he does nice things for them. And I totally understand like the grief porn argument. But like, couldn't it be worse? Like, I think of all the little kids who are watching him all day, every day, and what they could be doing and who they could be watching. Yeah. It's like, is Mr. Beast really that bad? And also, these people aren't being forced to live in the same house. The houses are just next to each other. So yeah, you've yeah, still yeah. got the physical boundary of like front door, this is my space, get out of it. Yeah, he's the kind of person like I want to hate, but he, I just same. can't fully. <laughs> always trying to hate him, but he's like got like, some sort of a charm. Damn, he's like, like raised so much money so with these people. <laughs> oh, he helped all these people see for the first time because healthcare in America is broke. 
broken. You'll probably come out tomorrow and be like, you know what? I fixed the budget. That's what yeah, I've done. Yeah. Here we go. Exactly. Look, I think it would be pretty awkward having your boss as your landlord. Yeah. I mean, you'd feel pretty tied into the job, mm. obviously. It but would be it would be very intense. Have you ever had any awkward situations, Em, that you can think of? I like- work with a few people who are dating or married. Oh, yeah. Um, and they have a really good balance, it seems. I mean, maybe okay. that's not how they feel, but they seem to strike <laughs> up really good boundaries. They don't really sort of interact that much in the office. Um, I don't think they talk about work that much at home. So I think it's like exactly what Marty was saying, if you have those boundaries in place. And for Mr Beast, like he employs all his friends. He just got so rich that he was like, hey, all my besties, I'm going to pay you to work for me. So I feel like it's a bit more of a party than maybe we want to think. There's someone on the text line. It's called FIFO Bro. You can hear old mate in the next song are having relief. Top stuff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't read that first, but thank you. Very much. Good morning, colleague, someone else. Um, I live 1K from my partner's ex. Not fun at the local shops, especially when it's um, our weeks to have the kids. We bump into each other. That's pretty hectic. Um, Look, we're powering through these topics. I've got to move on to this next big one. Pack. We are still a metal band and we couldn't betray our metal roots, even at Eurovision. On Triple J. Oh, Eurovision's hit. This kind of sounds a bit like Eurovision, doesn't it? Got a bit of that energy. Regardless of whether you love it or hate it, it's time to get together because Australia, through to the grand final, right? Australian band Voyager, huge moment for them. They've actually been trying since 2015 to get into Eurovision, finally made it. So I was wondering, I was asking the question, when have you just kept giving it a crack? Everyone's told you, give up, stop it. But then it paid off. An internship, a job, maybe a friendship, maybe speaking when you need to cough like me right now. (coughs) (laughs) Um, Got so many things coming through already. Someone says, I tried three times to get into master's to be a psychologist. Here I am today as a psych, bloody exhausted, lol. Someone else (laughs) says, isn't isn't that how Triple J's own Jess Perkins got the love of her life? Persistent, not stalking, persistency. Yeah, I think that is the story with Jess. Just kept hitting him up and it worked. Nice. Um, again, in a non creepy way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. M, Eurovision, I can tell you're probably into it. Oh, that feels embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel He's like. like <laughs> you're giving like horsey girl from primary no, school. No, I didn't say horsey girl. I didn't I, say um, horsey girl. I no offense to horsey girls. <laughs> I, I am into it, but probably not as much as it might seem like I'm into it. I love watching it, but I don't watch it live. I don't really do Eurovision parties, sure. but I get a lot of joy from watching it. It's yep. just so camp and it's just the kitsch vibes that we need. My favourite thing about this Voyager story is, I don't know if you've seen the Eurovision movie, like the Will Ferrell, Rachel McAdams one, but their whole thing is that it's like this underdog story and all of the um, possible candidates or performers from... Iceland, I want to say, yeah. all died in this explosion <laughs> and they weren't invited to this exclusive party so they got the call up. Like by default they were the entry for Iceland mm-hmm. and I feel like Voyager have just stuck it out. Oh They've gosh. waited for the boat to Steve explode and, Brad this and one. now yeah. they're there. I mean, it's an amazing story. Um, mm. Marty, Eurovision, yes or no? Well, yeah, when you sent me the, the topics of today, <laughs> I, I had to watch these videos and discover who this band was and it is definitely time I won't <laughs> get back. Uh, <laughs> um, 
I, be I do in like that we're a part of a European competition just in the sense that like Imagine, it actually adds some culture to this country. Like it's good that we can get that weird for a bit. But also imagine how pissed they're going to be if we win That's all right. those European oh, we'll countries. Never, they will never let us win. This is my <laughs> feeling. Like Damien robbed. She was like runner up. She yeah. was on. Yeah. They will never but let us win. They're already saying the officials at Eurovision, they're like, well, 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 if you win, you it's not going to Australia. It can't go to there because the time zones, the logistics, it's too hard so it won't be happening. Yeah, we'd so. have to host it, which they would hate. <laughs> it's pretty hectic. Do you have anything, Em, that, you know, experiences where you've tried and tried and tried and finally got there in the end? I definitely, my partner of like two years, he was pretty like laissez-faire about ever meeting up or giving me his actual phone number. We matched on a dating app and I kept being like, so, um, oh, should we text? And he'd be like, oh, I think we just keep it on the app for now. Ooh, and I was like, breadcrumbing. Okay, yeah. breadcrumbing. And then just delayed meeting up. I mean, it turned out that he was just like incredibly intimidated by me. And oh, of course. To meet me. Of course. That's um, understandable. We oh, get it. I get it right I've now. I've been burned before. I was like, red flag. Should I unmatch? <laughs> anyway, eventually he gave me his number. We met up. Now we live together. So thanks heaps, Alex. My story is I just wanted to become a trolley boy at Woolworths. So yeah, and I couldn't. <laughs> they just wouldn't hire me. And so I went around to all the regional like, different supermarkets until one of big. Yeah. One of them was finally like, yeah, all right, come on. And was it everything you'd hoped for? Dude, it's the best job still that I I've ever it. had. I know I work at the ABC, but this net, nothing beats Trolley Boy. I'm already a safe way. I love it. I was a supermarket deli manager and it was the best job I've ever had. Anyway. Oh, cold cuts. That is all. I can imagine you in the delicatessen. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what to do. I know what to do. That's what we've got time for. Big thanks to the Shake Up team. Mamma Mia journalist M Gillespie, thank you. Thank you. And podcaster presenter Marty Smiley, thank you very much. Hack on Triple J.